broadcasting around the entire world. From Austin, Texas. Via Simplecast. And supported by listeners like you. Bitcoin billions seller trading mining markets by sharing forks millions fights wise. Keeping you up to date on everything crypto. Welcome to Thriller News. Now here is your host, Carl Gonzalez. Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls from around the world. Hey ya! <laughs> now, how's it going? May 19th, 2019. Welcome to another episode of Thriller News. My name's Car Car Gonzalez. Uh, we got a lot of news to cover today. You know, there's a lot of stuff that happened Thursday and Friday that we didn't share, but let's do it. Crypto Top Story starting now. Crypto Top Stories. You know, every once in a while we have a story that we need to cover just so we know what is going on, right? Or just so we're aware of what's around us. Because sometimes we get isolated in this crypto space and we just don't look left. We don't look right. We just focus on going forward. Okay, so today's top story is the European Central Bank currently has no significant implications for monetary policy. Now, it's no secret that cryptocurrencies are not looked upon favorably by our most major central banks across the world. Some crypto enthusiasts believe that central banks fear this technology and it could pose a threat to them. But despite this, a report was issued by the European Central Bank offering a far more bearish assessment of the markets, largely writing off their utility and largely approaching them with what can be defined as a cavalier attitude. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. They said, Crypto assets do not fulfill the functions of money, and at the current stage, neither do they entail a tangible impact on the real economy, nor have significant implications for monetary policy. The very low number of merchants that allow the purchase of goods and services with bitcoins indicates no influence of the most prominent crypto asset on price setting, they explained. Despite this negative sentiment, Cryptocurrencies have actually been incurring a massive amount of adoption as of late. We know all the news that we've been covering with Facebook and possibly Amazon, and then last week with Whole Foods and the spending app, right? But what is it about this? Why, why is this report titled The Case for Central Bank Digital Currency in the European Union? Why don't the authors realize the possibility of crypto taking over the world? Well, they said the relentless digital of the economy has raised questions as to the suitability of existing forms of money for meeting the new and emerging needs of economic actors. The advent of crypto assets has fueled this debate, and it has been suggested that the technology underlying crypto assets should be prompt central banks to issue their own digital currencies. Moreover, the report basically laid out the criteria for how cryptocurrency being used by the central bank should be structured, noting that any central bank digital currency should be designed as a user-friendly, risk-free asset that meets the public's demand for economy that is both digitized and safe. And then what also came out this week was the Bank of England's chief economist thinks Bitcoin could replace cash. 
That's right. Andrew G. Haldane, the chief economist of the Bank of England, said Bitcoin is on its way to replace cash. Now, Mr. Haldane said it could replace cash. He even joked about us likely having Bitcoin in our wallets. The witness shared this on a recent Reddit post. He said that he didn't think it would replace cash tomorrow, but he said it's quite open to the idea of 20, 30 years down the line. Now, this is all secondhand witness, but it does kind of show how there's this kind of rift in the middle of all this. And then you have Goldman Sachs Blankfield saying that he's not worried about cryptocurrencies in a systemic way last year. Do you guys remember that? If you don't, check this out. How does Wall Street change over the next five, 10 years? Does, does um, to pick on one thing, people here have asked about cryptocurrencies, does that become a real issue or not? Are you worried about them? You've put your toe in the water. I worry, you know, not really in any kind of systemic way. The people, you know, it's, you know, it'd be very painful to somebody who put his or her entire net worth into cryptocurrencies, but it's not a systemic issue uh, at this point. People are passionate for it, passionate against it. I remember when they came out first with, uh, when they came out with cell phones, I remember thinking, God, who the hell is going to lug this thing around? Yeah. And I'm saying, and besides, there's, a phone, there's 10 phone booths on every corner. I'm not going to, this is, this is a fad. Nobody's going to carry a cell phone. So I just passed on that whole thing. Turns out to have worked. <laughs> so now they have cryptocurrency. And, and, you know, I always thought, I can't say why it should work. But if it did work, I'd be able to explain it in hindsight why it did. Because... That, is, that has been your secret to success. Bro. Yeah, well, you have to look at things from both sides and say, if it, sometimes in a risk thing, I say, will this happen? What are the chances of it happened? And sometimes I find it easier to think about something. Okay, let me postulate this did happen. Tell me why it did. And I find that it's sometimes an easier way of seeing it. And I look at the evolution of money and I say, you know, you start out with gold as money and people only take hard currency and you make gold coins and a gold coin was like five dollars if it had five dollars of gold and eventually they would give you a piece of paper with the promise that there was five dollars in gold to back the five dollars piece of paper and you can go in and redeem it then they gave you a piece of paper and said there's five dollars of gold but you can't redeem it and at some point they give you a paper and says it's worth five dollars we're not going to redeem it we don't even have the five dollars even if you wanted to and we're still doing that today, and I see that morphing. And I'm saying that if you could go through that morphing, if you could go through that fiat currency, where they say this is worth what it's worth because I, the government, says it is, why couldn't you have a consensus currency? And so it's not for me. I don't do it. I own no Bitcoin. Yeah. Goldman Sachs, as far as I know, unless nobody told me, has no Bitcoin. <laughs> but if it does work out, I could give you the historical path why that could happen, have happened. And so I'm not in the school of saying, gee, because it's uncomfortable with me, because it's unfamiliar, this can happen. That's too arrogant. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how most people change their perspective about Bitcoin. And it usually happens after a massive bull run, right? Now, we know Fidelity Investments are getting ready. They already onboarded some of their institutional clients. Of course, there's TD Ameritrade. Of course, we got backed. There's a lot of other investors who are willing to explore this vastly unexplored opportunity. The whole industry is looking bright these days. And um, yeah, bullish to see what happens in the future. But I will say, gosh, they're not, they're not, they're not blinking. 
<laughs> They're not blinking. All right, with that, let's get into crypto rapid fire. Fire, just in case you missed it. All right. The US SEC delays Bitwise Bitcoin ETF. That's right. According to a report from Coindesk, the verdict on the Bitcoin exchange traded fund ETF application from California based crypto upstart Bitwise Asset Management has been delayed once again. In a document published Tuesday morning, the US Securities and Exchange Commission who presides over such products revealed that it won't be issuing a final verdict, approve or deny just yet. So they delayed it. But what's interesting, though, is the regulatory entity has yet to comment on the proposal from VanEck and SolidX, which many investors believe has a higher chance of succeeding. The deadline for that proposal is coming up on Tuesday. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting couple days here, Monday and Tuesday in the crypto space. Next up, we have Polynex. That's right. Polynex fearing regulatory backlash prevents sale of nine crypto assets in U.S. So they announced that it will prevent U.S. buyers from purchasing nine crypto assets. Polynex said that the assets AD, ARDR, BCN, DCR, Game, Gas, Lisk, NXT, Omni, and Rep are dangerously close to being securities under U.S. law. Non-U.S. buyers will still have access to the tokens. It is not possible to be certain whether U.S. regulators will consider these assets to be securities, they wrote in a Medium post. They also said that U.S. customers holding balances in these cryptocurrencies on Polynex must finalize all trades and close any positions in these assets prior to May 29th. Once delisted, customers will be able to withdraw these assets from their wallet for as long as we support the asset globally. Now we know that Circle acquired Polynex back in February 2018, and it appears the new owners looked to clean house and found tokens like Game.com's Game Token <laughs> as insufficiently covered by regulatory documentation to continue sales in the U.S. Yeah, uh, kind of knew that was going to happen. Uh, if anything, we're probably going to see some regulatory clarity here in the, in the coming months. I would hope so. Next up, we have Stellar. That's right. Stellar in the news, but it's really bad. Their developers outlined why the network went down for over an hour. That's right. On May 15th, a largely unrecognized Stellar network had shut down for over one hour. One of those who noticed the outage was Tim Swanson, the founder of Post Oak Labs. He said yesterday the Stellar network went down for about two hours. Only those who run validations noticed it. No new transactions were added for approximately two hours. Now, the team behind XLM has come out to confirm the currents. In a blog post, the SDF said that the Stellar network halted for 67 minutes due to inability to reach consensus. During that time, no ledgers were closed, no transactions were processed. Basically, Stellar stopped. However, the foundation maintained that the state of the ledger was uncompromised and was consistent across the network. SDF added that the network boasts over 100,000 daily active users and more than 3 million accounts. The team assured users that no money was lost and no balances were confused. What's interesting about this is that I actually interviewed Stellar in their Brooklyn offices last last Monday, and that happened, I believe, it was like a Tuesday or Wednesday. So just right around that time, I would say just by me knowing the people in the foundation, I would say it looks like to me right now from the outside looking in that a lot of changes are being made. Um, whether that's good or bad, there's you can tell like there's a lot of. Um, Maybe I'll leave this for a different time, but I'll say it looks like there's a lot of changes to be made. And this is probably uh, something they're going to have to look into to making another change. 
All right, next piece of news. Newell partners with Wired to launch debit card on ramp. Now, Newell Network, a non-custodial lending protocol backed by Consensus Ventures, announced a partnership with Wired to enable debit card funded fiat on-ramps on its borrowing platform. According to a blog post, users will be able to link a debit card and convert up to $40 per day to start into stablecoins to earn interest. The collateralized lending application currently offers borrowing in a handful of assets, including DAI, Ether, USDC, Maker, and Wrapped BTC. Newell has recently enabled margin trading with up to 3x leverage through Uniswap and Kyber Pools. While Newell currently offers collateralized crypto loans and margin trading, the team is aiming to provide other debt products like refinancing maker CDPs and tokenized bonds, among others, in the future. And our final piece of news is Facebook. I know it just won't stop, will it? I got to keep pulling from this flow. I got to keep you guys up to date. So we got to cover it. So Facebook's cryptocurrency network launched in Switzerland over this week. So let me set the stage for you. This project was extremely secretive, but it has just risen from the shadows in Crypto Valley. That's right, Switzerland. The social media giant turned to the perfect crypto hub country, Switzerland, earlier this month in order to register the Libra network subsidiary firm. The firm will follow Facebook's blockchain payments data and will provide investing services. The new fintech firm will not be the only one in its focus. The operations of the firm will have a say in investing, financing, identity management, analytics, big data, blockchain, and other technologies. And the filings show that the Libra network is very committed to identity management. Very, very coincidental. Zuckerberg stated at the time that you basically take your information, you store it on some decentralized system, and you have the choice of whether to log in in different places, and you're not going through an intermediary. Facebook cryptocurrency plans are now accelerating, especially with the registration of the Libra networks in Switzerland. According to the New York Times reports back in March, Facebook stablecoin was being described as a basket coin, which means it's a token peg to multiple assets and especially fiat currencies. Also, the stablecoin's development and its progress will reach out to multiple crypto exchanges with regard to listing the coin, and the coin will be publicly released by the end of the second quarter of 2019. As reported in the latest cryptocurrency news, Facebook was was looking to raise $1 billion from VC firms for their stablecoin, but at the Times, the New York Times pointed out that given the one of the big lures of blockchain projects is a decentralization, getting outside investors could help Facebook present the project as a more decentralized and less controlled by Facebook. So ultimately, the news here is they, they launched in Switzerland, but uh, it's just a registration portion of it. We'll see how this develops. OK, with that, we got to get into crypto YouTube. That's right. There's a lot of stuff going on there. We got to talk about it. Let's do it. Crypto YouTube, the world of crypto YouTube, the world of crypto YouTube, the world of Crypto YouTube. All right, Crypto YouTube. This actually isn't on YouTube. <laughs> it's uh, it's on 60 Minutes. And 60 Minutes just did a piece uh, the same night Game of Thrones is <laughs> having its season finale, which is not good because uh, we're not getting any coverage. It doesn't matter. They did a piece on Bitcoin. They covered it and they basically called it Bitcoin's wild, crazy ride. Check this out. Ten years ago, a mysterious computer programmer invented a new type of money that wasn't backed by any government or kept in any bank. There were no coins or bills, just long strings of letters and numbers stored inside a network of computers that anybody could be a part of by downloading some free software over the Internet. 
Today, that computerized currency, Bitcoin, is well known, though little understood. And Bitcoin's popularity has inspired the creation of thousands of other types of digital money known as cryptocurrency. Over the last decade, you could have made a 5 million percent profit by investing in cryptocurrency, or you could have lost everything. It has been a wild ride, and few people have experienced the highs and lows more than a 29-year-old named Charlie Schramm. The story will continue in a moment. It felt like I was riding a rocket ship that had no mission control. You were going up very quickly, but we were not thinking about what would happen when eventually we have to go back down. And for me, I dealt with the ultimate going back down. You crashed hard. Crashed really hard. Charlie Schramm was once described as the last kid who'd be picked for a game of dodgeball. But he always felt comfortable around computers. He grew up in a Syrian Jewish community in Brooklyn, New York, and was a senior at Brooklyn College when in 2011, he started a business in his parents' basement. He called it BitInstant because it enabled people to buy Bitcoin quickly using dollars at a time when interest in the computerized currency was just starting. When did you first notice the business taking off? Almost instantly. The business... That, really? That fast? I had $1,000 that I threw into it. That was my own money. And then within days, it was getting crazy. And I had my bar mitzvah money that I wanted to use. <laughs> within a year, Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss of Facebook fame became major investors in Charlie's company. By 2013, he was pronounced one of Bitcoin's first millionaires. Estimates of his net worth range from a few million dollars to $45 million. I went from being a kid who had no self-confidence to the complete opposite, with a crazy ego. And I was doing inter media interviews every day, and I was the evangelizer of the industry, the Bitcoin Moses, as they would call me. You go from being the last kid picked to dodgeball to, you know... Running the team. How did Charlie and other 20-somethings become kings of a new industry that deals in money you can't deposit in the bank? To understand that, you have to go back to a time when confidence in banks had plummeted. The Dow tumbled more than 500 points. Shortly after the collapse of Lehman Brothers during the financial crisis of 2008, this paper started circulating on the Internet. It proposed creating an electronic cash system that would allow people to pay one another online without going through a financial institution. To this day, no one has the faintest idea who the paper's author, Satoshi Nakamoto, is. But he, or she, or they, created ingenious software that anyone in the world could download onto their computer for free. The computers running the Bitcoin software were then able to work together over the Internet and perform functions normally handled by banks, like keeping accurate records and guarding against fraud. The computers maintain a constantly updated record of transactions involving Bitcoin. The record is called the blockchain, and it's how the network keeps track of who owns what. One of the most innovative features of the system is that every computer on the network can keep a copy of this record showing every transaction ever recorded. The blockchain stored on thousands of computers around the world. Naya Narula is the director of the Digital Currency Initiative at the MIT Media Lab. The idea behind the blockchain is that it's everywhere, um, and everyone can look at it and verify it for themselves. And so what this means is that you get this sense of trust, you get this sense of security, because everyone's watching. If you're wondering what there is to watch, here it is. Bitcoin's not much to look at, 
just letters and numbers. Why would people have trust in something that is just numbers and letters? It doesn't have anything backing it up. I think to answer that question, you really have to go back to sort of the roots of money and what is money. The reason that the $5 bill in my wallet has value is because I know you'll take it from me for something. I can buy a sandwich from you with that $5 bill. So it has value because people believe in it. Exactly. And that's it. That's really it. At first, Bitcoin was just an interesting experiment conducted at home by computer programmers like Laszlo Honyat. Because his computer was one of the computers helping to maintain the Bitcoin network, Satoshi Nakamoto's software rewarded Hunyats with some Bitcoin. But there wasn't much he could do with it back in 2010. So he went on an internet chat forum and asked whether anyone would be willing to buy him some pizza in exchange for 10,000 Bitcoin. And somebody said, hey, I'll, you know, I'll take you up on that offer. Here you can see the original pizzas, and that's my daughter's hand. She was a year old. That pizza, obtained with Bitcoin by Laszlo Hunyats and enjoyed by his daughter nine years ago, is believed to be the first real-world transaction involving cryptocurrency. Do you feel like after that, that that changed people's perception of it in a way? I think it, it made it real for some people. I mean, it certainly did for me. In the years that followed, Bitcoin caught on. Some merchants started accepting it, and it became possible to buy and sell Bitcoin for dollars through businesses called exchanges. As the market price of one Bitcoin rose from zero to a dollar to a hundred dollars and more, an esoteric experiment grew into a global industry. On a windswept plain in Iceland, these warehouses are closely guarded at all times. We were asked not to disclose their exact location. This is one of the places where the records, the blockchains of cryptocurrencies, are now kept. State-of-the-art computers work 24-7, performing calculations that safeguard the records. In industry lingo, this is called a mine. This does not look like any mine I've ever been in. Yes. Now, this is a, a mine of the new world. This is the new gold mine. Marco String is the CEO of a company called Genesis Mining. So there's tens of thousands of processing units in here. If you add all the computing power of all the processing units together, you have more than the world's number one supercomputer. Back in New York, by 2013, Charlie Schramm had finally moved his company's computers out of his parents' basement. He was spending a lot of time traveling to industry conferences and talking up Bitcoin. Charlie was charismatic. Charlie was funny. But could Charlie be trusted to run a business? In a new book, Bitcoin Billionaires, Ben Mesrick describes how BitInstant's biggest investors, the Winklevoss twins, grew concerned that their young CEO was spending too much time traveling and partying and not paying enough attention to the details of running his company. Yeah, it actually wasn't too bad of a watch. I highly recommend you checking it out. Um, but uh, you can get it at 60minutes.com. I didn't want to play the whole thing because copyright stuff. But um, from what I saw, it it, it seems like um, it definitely seems like they gave Bitcoin a good light. Uh, they talked about it. They, they said how the price went up. Um, they also said that it's currently trading at 8000. Uh, they also mentioned they also did one thing, too. Um, and they got somebody from the Federal Reserve to come on the show, 60 Minutes, and basically tell everybody why Bitcoin uh, likely doesn't have any value uh, and how the U.S. dollar 
is is the most powerful currency in the world. Um, that was kind of yeah, that wasn't good because it basically tells the average person watching that that don't invest into Bitcoin. At least that's what I got from it. Maybe I'm seeing it a completely different way. Either way, let me know. Let me know in the comments. Yeah. All right. With that, let's get into crypto Twitter. Crypto Twitter. Crypto Twitter. Yeah, so one of the things that everybody's talking about on Crypto Twitter is, of course, that Charlie Shrem, 60 Minutes uh, airing. Uh, we got Cameron Rinklevoss saying that one of the coolest things about crypto is there's no mystery about how you can gain exposure to it. If you believe in the protocol, just buy it. It's native token, which effectively indexes its entire ecosystem. For instance, the ultimate Bitcoin bet is Bitcoin. It's that simple. Basically saying Bitcoin is the OG. Uh, we also have uh, Vanessa. She says, it's crazy how people think two to five years in crypto is a long time to get rich, but do not feel that 40 years at a job is a long time to stay broke. (laughs) Gosh. We also have Mike Dudas. He's from the block. He says, 60 Minutes just gave a very fair treatment to Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Anyone in the general public watching should be generally interested after watching the episode. Go deeper here. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Got Ryan Forty says, long crypto... Short the bankers. Okay. Um, we also have somebody else saying uh, everybody needs to watch the Charlie Shram, which is which is good. Uh, and then we also have Tyler Winkabas. He says, thank you, Coindesk, for putting on another great conference this year with Consensus 2019. And thank you to everyone who descended on the Big Apple for another magical blockchain week in NYC. I love seeing everyone, meeting new peeps, and talking crypto with all you. Yeah, and New York City was on fire <laughs> this week uh, or this past week. Um, there's a lot. I mean, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of work, too, for me. <laughs> but uh, I think next year I'm going to try to uh, maybe get some help. And then we got Michael Ayrton. He says, sometimes crypto people need to step away from the computers to watch John Wick 3. <laughs> I agree. That is true. Uh, unless you're me. We also have uh, we got Kevin Schlinger. He says, someone at Consensus 2019 handed out Zuck bucks. <laughs> it's, it's a dollar bill with uh, Zuckerberg's face on it. And it says Facebook Inc. at the very top. That's um, pretty funny. It's pretty funny. Uh, we also have uh, Fritz Charles. He says, when you go short this market on BitMEX, and show somebody getting knocked out. <laughs> we also have, there's a lot of Game of Thrones Twitter, crypto Twitter tweets in there. So I'm trying not to look at those. I get spoiled. Uh, we also got this, it says, Tech Lords, he says, I already pay for my flights using Litecoin when I'll be able to pay for my groceries by just scanning a QR code and paying with crypto. I know mainstream adoption will have started. And finally, we have Peter Schiff. He says, 60 Minutes just aired a free commercial for Bitcoin. Great press for Bitcoin owners looking to sell to CBS viewers who may be suckered into buying based on this very one-sided segment. At a minimum, CBS owed its audience a healthy degree of skepticism. Very bad reporting as usual. And I think it wasn't that good of a report. Yeah, they painted a very bad light, especially when the Federal Reserve came on there and told them that Bitcoin's worthless. Anyways, with that, let's get into Coin360. Coin market cap at $247 billion. That's right. We got Bitcoin priced at $7,971, up 6% on the day. 
and a total BTC dominance of 57%. Yeah. We got Ethereum at $251, up 4%. We got XRP at $0.40, cents, up 6%. We got Bitcoin Cash up $406, up 10.28%. Jeez. We got EOS at $6.34, up 5% on the day. We look at our 24-hour change on the green. We got Next coin here at $1.15 up 56%. Jesus. We got LA token at 15 cents up 17%. Jesus. We got Dash at $167 up 16%. Jesus. We got Verge coin. Oh my God. Eclipsing over a penny at 13 up 13%. We got Bitcoin Cash that we said earlier. Gosh, it's starting to look like alt season. We got 24-hour change on the red. We got Decentraland. Oh my God, this one hurts. At five cents, down six percent. We got crypto.com chain for the seventh week in a row at six cents, down five percent. We got Aurora coin at one penny, down five percent. We got crypto.com at four dollars and eighty-six cents, down four percent. Yeah, at this point, if you're investing in crypto.com chain coin, I think you're doing crypto wrong at this point. And that's our total coin mark cap on the day. Yeah. Get ready for that uh, Bitcoin ETF decision on Tuesday or Monday. That's what I'll be launching. With that, let's get on to the end of the show. Summertime, and the living's easy. Rallies on the microphone with Ross MG. All the people in the dance will agree that we're well qualified to represent the LBC. Me, me and Louis, we're gonna run to the party and dance to the rhythm. Me and my girl, we got this relationship I love her so bad, but she treats me like shit I'm locked down like a penitentiary She spreads her loving all over and when she gets home All the people in the dance will agree that we're well qualified to represent the LBC.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, other thriller news is done. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. And you just listened to Lena Del Rey's cover of Sublime's Doing Time. Yeah, what a classic. And you know what else is a classic? Bitcoin. That's right. It hit 10 years. But what the next 10 years is going to look like is going to be amazing. I think it's going to be mass adoption on a global scale. I think that's where we're going here in the next five to 10 years. It's just massive global adoption. So, by Bitcoin, to the world. See you next time. This is the end of the show. You have been listening to Thriller Podcast with Par Gonzalez. Remember, Thriller Podcast is not financial advice. Everything Car said likely won't come true. It is up to you. Now go, do your own research. Listen to other dudes that start their name with crypto, and not car. And remember, buy Bitcoin and save the world. One Satoshi at a time.